0: Our scripture reading this morning is found, we have three of them actually, found in Luke, the first is in Luke, the first chapter, the 34th through the 38th verses. Luke 1, 34 through 38. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived of son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And now we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John, the second chapter, the first through the 12th verses. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, and his brothers, and his disciples. And they stayed there a few days. And now then finally, we're going to be reading again in the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, the 23rd through the 27th verses. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts apart to every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this day. This is Mother's Day. And if you'll notice, there's a theme that runs through the three passages that we read today. They were all about Jesus' mother from his announcement, from her being told that he's going to be coming into the world and she was going to be the one who would have the opportunity to bear our Savior. And if you'll recall, what she said was, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Then later we see her kind of giving Jesus a nudge Uh, It's like he was hesitant to really get started in what the Lord was calling him to do. And so she gives him a nudge and uh, helps him to get started with uh, turning the water into the wine. And then at the very end, that mama is still with her little boy as he hangs on the cross. Well, uh, we all have mothers. Even Jesus had a mother. God entrusts us to mothers, and then he entrusts mothers to us. And one of the last things you see Jesus doing before he died was honoring his mother, providing for her, making sure that she was going to be taken care of. And mothers, uh, uh, all of us, all, not just mothers, but all of us can draw from what uh, we see in the Bible about Mary. And uh, today I'm going to be lifting up three points that I just want us to all take to heart today. With this being Mother's Day, first I want to start. This is an Irish blessing. Uh, there is but one and only one whose love will fail you never. One who lives from sun to sun, with constant fond endeavor. There is but one and only one on earth. There is no other in heaven. A noble work was done when God gave us a mother. That is so true. Now then I'd like to share a few things with you. Just kind of getting started that uh, I ran across this past week. Uh, First, some advice that the renowned evangelist Billy Sunday gave to men to help them observe Mother's Day. He said, try praising your wives. Even if it does frighten her at first. (laughs) Now, then there's a a profound question I ran across. If evolution is true, How come mothers still have only two hands? Because they do stay busy, don't they? Now, this true anecdote I found very germane. A young mother who was expecting her third child was going through her clothes, which fit no longer. As she watched, her five-year-old son asked, Mom, now that you're going to have a baby... Are you going to have to wear eternity clothes? (laughs) Sometimes it feels like an eternity, doesn't it, ladies? Another mother was putting her son to bed on the eve of his fifth birthday. She was trying to communicate that birthday idea to him. And so she said, Kevin, this is the last night of your fourth year. Do you remember? Do you understand that? And Kevin was ready to communicate uh, with his hands. And because uh, you see, for and he held his hand up four. for a full year. He'd been showing people four fingers for his four years. And now he was ready to add a thumb. And seeing his four fingers, his mother nodded and said, when you go to sleep tonight, you're still four years old. But do you know how old you'll be when you wake up? Kevin nodded enthusiastically and he added his thumb to his four fingers and said, tomorrow I'll be a handful. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, a lot of people can identify with kids being a handful, can't we? Okay, so for all the mothers who have or have had their hands full. We salute you and we celebrate Mother's Day. In the Garden of Eden, God presented Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam. He entrusted them to each other that day, and uh, so began the first family. A little bit later on, He entrusted a child. To both of them, and they became parents, and Eve became a mother. And God has been entrusting people to each other in families ever since. And uh, so, and just as we see, God entrusted Jesus to Mary. Even Jesus needed a mother, and he entrusted Mary to Jesus. And Jesus didn't fall down on his responsibilities of honoring his mother. But uh, So God entrusts people to people. He entrusts us to each other. And he does so for a reason. Husbands and wives, he entrusts to each other to help complete you and help you to realize all that he wants you to have in life. Children, he entrusts to us with the hope that we will be helping them to become the children that he put them on this planet to be. He entrusts these little human beings to us and we're supposed to be helping them become uh, the people that he created them to be. Now, I'd like to share, as I said, three things that we can draw from Jesus' mother, Mary. First of all, we see that Mary submitted completely to God's will. When Mary was only a teenager, she was confronted with the challenge to be completely submitted to God's will. And when Gabriel gave her the angelic message that uh, she was to carry of our Christ the Lord's Christ Mary was stunned the key phrase that we read in that passage is I am the Lord's servant may it be as he wants it to be Mary never wavered from her complete submission to God's will was she nervous certainly was she unsure of her own abilities Who would not be? Was she anxious about the prophecy, that part of her future which would include pain? Of course. Mary was a little like the mother who sits up late at night, far past her bedtime, waiting for the date to be over. Of course, us dads do that too, don't we? But uh, she was like the father who said the silent heartfelt prayer as he watched his child drive away from the house taking all those raw instincts into the streets of great danger Mary was like any parent in this room who wanted only the best and only the most protection for her child and fully aware that life happens And uh, not all of life is pleasant, but Mary was unlike a lot of parents in the world today. Mary was, first of all, completely committed to to God. She was so committed to God that she had no room for commitment for anything else. And that made her a mother worth imitating. And we have been talking the last couple of weeks or so about how we need to always put God above all else. Mary did that. She's an example of that for us. She was willing to sacrifice to do what God called her to do. And we should be willing to even hurt in order to accomplish what God wants us to do in this world. I read somewhere that the first three years of a child's life is spent by the parents just trying to keep them from killing themselves. And I think that's about right. I mean, you yeah. know, oh, yeah, I can remember. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can use Isaiah in example of that. Whatever about a we anyway, he wound up pulling all the drawers out on a uh, uh, TV console. That was filled with heavy cds and stuff like that and we had like a 300 pound television up on top of that thing but when he pulled them all out it all just, it just came over and uh thank goodness uh a coffee table kept isaiah from being killed because that thing would have squished him like a fly but uh, Isaiah is still with us and we're grateful. But those first three years are kind of scary. They are. And, uh, and moms, we salute you for getting us through those, you know, and, for, and some of you are still working on it, I know. But the thing is, Mary wasn't perfect. Uh, a mother called by God doesn't have to be perfect And uh, I think that should be good news to each one of you. He doesn't call you to be perfect. He calls you to just be the best you, the real you that you can be for him. Not somebody other. not, not, not a copycat of some other great mother. Nothing like that. You be you for him. That's all he's called you to be. And then he's called you to raise this child so but if you'll just try the Lord will help you with it I remember uh, right after we had our our first one, little one and uh, Sharon was so concerned I'm sorry honey I didn't run this by you but uh, she was so concerned about being a good mother and so She was just concerned and she was talking to the doctor about it. Dr. McNew told her, kids are a lot tougher than you think they are. Just catch them on the second bounce. (laughs) And uh, the thing is, that is true. They are very resilient and thank goodness he makes their bones flexible whenever they're little like that. But uh, it is a scary thing to be a mom. No doubt about it. But uh, the thing is, Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you about a, a mom that was trying to be perfect at a wedding one time. And this is, you know, things are just going to happen. She was going up to light the unity candle. And she was a very dignified time. Her mother's, I mean, it was, she was the mama. It was the bride. Or she was the mother of the bride. And you know, you want weddings to be perfect. Preachers, we preachers, we get antsy because I get more antsy at weddings and funerals because those are such high moments in people's lives. You want them to be the way they're supposed to be. Well, this mom walked up there and she started to light the unity candle whenever she was trying to light it. She lit her acrylic nail instead. So keeping her cool, She just lit the candle with her nail, blew it out like a six-shooter, and uh, went on about her business. And uh, that made the wedding. You know, those are the sorts of things that make weddings as perfect as you want them to be. Her blackened fingernail was the talk of the reception. She was just trying not to. She was trying to be perfect. Dr. Benjamin Carson, the renowned surgeon at Johns Hopkins, tells a moving story about his mother. Uh, Mrs. Carson insisted that Ben and his brother Curtis write a book report every couple of weeks. And uh, this wasn't for school. This was for their mom. Ben and Curtis dutifully did what they were told to do And about the time he was in junior high, Ben finally realized something that was really a shock to him. His mama couldn't read. (laughs) Uh, For years, Ben had read books and scratched out reports, assuming that his mom was checking every word. But she didn't have a clue what he was saying. Now, consider this. Raised by an illiterate mother, Ben grew up to be a wonderful, famous surgeon and man uh, who's been featured in many articles and is so renowned in so many ways. His uh, His illiterate mom didn't twist her hands over her lack of learning and give up hope of raising intelligent children. Instead, she gave her boys what she had, interest, accountability, and the courage to demand extra work. Despite the fact that Mary was the mother of Jesus, Mary wasn't perfect. When Jesus performed this first miracle, Mary's conversation is the most unusual part of the water into wine story, isn't it? Jesus said to Mary, woman, why do you involve me? It's not my time. Now, two things. First, a word to children. Don't try this at home. Second, think of the awkwardness of this situation. Mary's request and the conversation with Jesus appears to be out of line with what Jesus was ready to do. And though Jesus performed the miracle, there's a feeling that he did so in part because his mama put him on a spot. Well, if that's not a clear indication of Mary's imperfection, a second case is, while Jesus was still talking to a crowd, his mother and brothers came outside and were insisting on speaking to him right then. And someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. They were wanting to carry him away because they misunderstood what was going on. They thought that he had uh, lost his mind, and they were wanting to carry him away so it wouldn't be an embarrassment to him anymore, and for his own good as well. He replied to the person who informed him, said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. If Mary had understood the task of Jesus completely and wholly, uh, she w- would she have tried to interrupt him? Or even agree with anyway, she just she wouldn't be trying to do that sort of stuff. She would be trying to stop his ministry before it got started. She wasn't perfect, she didn't know everything, and sometimes like this she messed up. You've made mistakes in the past. You'll certainly make a couple probably today, and you'll make more mistakes tomorrow. And through it all God will love you. God will work with you and accept you. And through it all, your task of mothering or grandmothering will be accomplished. The last thing I want to share with you, Mary never relinquished the title of mother, did she? Never. In the last passage we read, we find Mary standing near the cross, of her son while he suffers on that cross and dies and she didn't stand there stoically and passively uh, by the foot of the cross as if she were made out of stained glass her heart was breaking her son was hurting and seeing her son hurting like that was killing her inside. The truth of Simon's prophecy at the birth of Jesus was suddenly true. The cross cut deeply into Mary's heart. Despite the pain, however, Mary was there. She was a mother from the beginning and a mother at the end, a mother called by God, never relinquishes the title. You'll find mothers like that in the halls of children's hospitals, in funeral homes, and in counselors' offices. Mothers never relinquish the title. Even if the child is rebellious, harsh, or cruel, her heart just will not allow it not when she is called by God. Sometimes the most difficult decision a mother will ever make comes right at the beginning. There are young women who realize in the rarest of circumstances that the best gift they can give their child is the gift of adoption. But even at that moment of giving up A mother's love dominates the scene. It is sacrificial and it is painful, but it is a loving moment of care. And mothers who give their children to families that they know are going to love them and are patiently standing, waiting for a child to love, those moms who are willing to do that They need to be acknowledged as do the families who receive these children. My family is one of those families. My little sister is adopted and she is my little sister and she grew up in a home where she was loved and she has expressed gratitude to her birth mother for being willing to want the best for her. My uh, uh, secretary in uh, a, t- a church I served not too awful long ago. She, I went through the adoption process with her. She couldn't have children and she wanted a child so badly. She wanted to be a mom. And so I watched her go through all the same agony that I watched my mom go through uh, as far as she is going through the adoption process. And so mothers who are willing to give up children out of love and wanting them to have a good life and mothers who receive them, they do need to be recognized and given thanks for. When a woman becomes a mother, when a man becomes a father, there's an instant realization that the day will almost certainly come when pain dominates the picture. The crosses are different for every family, but frankly, the crosses usually come. There may be a divorce or a disease or a death. There may be harsh words and unacceptable actions. There may be tough love and impossible nights. Through it all, mothers called by God never relinquish the title never. There's nothing like a mother's love. Mary was blessed. She had a chance to see God's entire plan played out, didn't she? And I'm so happy for her that she did. She suffered through the crucifixion. She celebrated the resurrection. And even was part of the small group that witnessed the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What a gift from God to live long enough for parenting to make sense. Some parents live long enough to see God's plan for their children, some see God working in the lives of their grandchildren, some surely. Only see God's plan from the hall of heaven. The children of the family circus cartoon were once discussing babies. And one of the young experts announced storks don't bring babies. They come UPS. <laughs> Some of the other children had different ideas that they went through. But the best one was saved for last. This one said, babies are connected to their mothers by a biblical cord. And you know what? Every idea that I've shared with you in this message has come from the Bible. There's so many solid principles for parenting in the Bible. No parent can afford not to know them. If you're going to be a godly parent, be sure to be immersed in God's word fully committed to the calling he's given you for you have been called in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen